everybody. My name is Dylan George. I'm a VP in technical staff and in BNEXT at Incutel. Um, I used to work in the White House in the Office of Science and Technology Policy, helping with the Ebola response. And um, as you can see from our discussion today, very interested in contact tracing and the technologies that would enable it. Hi, I'm Dan Hanfling, a member of the BNEXT team on the technical staff at Incutel. I'm a practicing emergency physician and uh, really interested in digital health and technologies that are going to help uh, get us through this COVID-19 crisis. Today, Dan Hanfling and I are with you to continue our talk about the COVID-19 pandemic and how technologies can be helpful in the response. I think we're being called the Phoenix foot stompers. So <laughs> what, uh, what are we going to be foot stomping today, Dylan? Uh, today, you know, it's Today we're going to be talking about um, contact tracing broadly and about some of the technologies that can be used in that space. Um, you know, but before we really get into that discussion, you know, it'd be good to get a, a brief update on some of the where we are in, in the, the outbreak. Now, obviously, we're recording this at a, at a particular time and it'll be updated as things go on, given the, the, the ferocity of the, the outbreak. But first, there's, you know, some bad news. Um, in, in particular, I mean, the, the, the epicenter for the outbreak is in New York State right now. There's over 6,000 individuals have been lost uh, over the last while. And this is, you know, this is absolutely tragic. And it's really sad to see the, the numbers climb up like that. To put this in context as well, in 9-11, we lost over 3,000 people in New York City. And you know, we've, we've said this before, but it's worth saying again, um, you know, COVID-19 is a 9-11 sized event and it's threatening our national security in ways that we haven't really thought about before. Um, and uh, it, it's definitely worth to remember that and to think about that as we as we move forward. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you what it what it highlights is that health security is indeed a fundamental part of our national security. And if you don't have the public's health, uh, how can you say that your, you know, that your that your country is safe, that your community is safe, you know, that you are safe? And I think this is actually a topic for for a future discussion. Um, yeah. But tell us, you know, tell us the good news. I mean, there there's got to be some good news out of New York. Yeah, yeah, no, there's some, there actually is some really good news. Um, we're seeing a f potential flattening of the curve um, in a couple places in the United States, New York in particular, and so. The thing that's really exciting about New York is that they've been doing more testing there than probably any other place in the United States. And so their testing capacity is high, meaning we can rely on the data that we get from there. Um, the other in indicator that's uh, very encouraging is the number of hospitalizations are down and they've been down over the past four days or so. Um, that is exceptionally encouraging. Um, and, and bed capacity seems to be increasing with the, the new um, beds that are coming online, the hospital is finding new bed capacity, and um, the Javits Center coming online, um, and the the um, Navy ship Mercy that's in in the in port there as well. So, physical distancing is having an impact, and over the past few weeks, it's been paying off. Um, and so, what we have done in the past is impacting our present. And what we will do now, I think, is going to impact the future. We have to keep that in mind. But it's, it's at least encouraging that there's some good news 
coming out of New York. Yeah, let me let me ask you a question. You know, I've heard you and others begin to refer um, to the uh, mitigation strategy that, that we're employing across the country as physical distancing as opposed to social distancing. Is that a nuance or is there meaning behind that um, phrasing? You know, for me, I just started using the term physical distancing because partly it describes what we're doing more and that uh, we don't necessarily need to be apart from one another socially. We just have to be six feet away from one another. Uh, and so it, it, it's more just a, a nod to stay away from people, but stay connected to people. Sure. Well, that makes sense. And, and actually, if you put it in the context of sort of that old phrase we used to use on the playground, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> we cut that down only to six feet. So you know, maybe, maybe we're making some some progress here slowly. So what, you know, when we when we talk about uh, about physical distancing uh, and and the strategy that we're in now, you know, I think the big question on everyone's mind is how do we know when to take the foot off of the gas? How do we know when we could actually begin to relax some of these measures? And um, and what do we do to ensure that we don't, you know, open up too too early? Uh, how, how, do, how do we think about this? Yeah, no, I think it's a great question. I think everybody's asking that question right now, and it's completely understandable. Um, you know, I think that if we look historically back at 1918, there was a handful of cities that when they released physical distancing measures, they saw an uptick in cases again. Um, and so you can look at the historical record and look at those cities that that's happened. Uh, so they it, they released too soon. We saw very similar events like that happening in Mexico during uh, 2000 in 2009 with H1N1, uh, the flu pandemic. Um, and then also modeling shows the same sorts of results that uh, when you release these social distancing, the, the transmission will happen and you'll see upticks. And so we need to figure out how to, um, you know, loosen the faucet, not release the floodgates going forward. Um, and uh uh, you know, Tom Frieden has this really interesting phrase. He said, it's it's not about when we can reopen, but what do we need to be doing now to make that day come sooner? And so, you know, I, I think that there's at least three broad areas that we need to be thinking about. Um, the first one is we need better data to strengthen our surveillance so that we know where and how this virus is spreading. Um, we need to continue to protect the healthy, strengthen our healthcare system, and protect the frontline healthcare workers. I thought you would like that in particular, Dan. Um, <laughs> and then, and then lastly, we need to strengthen the public healthcare system. We just need to do that across the board. And um, you know, those are, I think, at least three broad areas of effort that we need to we need to focus on. <clears throat> yeah. No. You know, we we uh, we sometimes you know for our media sound bites uh, and in our in the be next foot stomper world, you know, we've been trying to get the message out across many media outlets and the print media and the broadcast media, et cetera. You know, one um, phrase that I like to repeat uh, to start my conversations is that you know we need to be able to see it diagnose it, treat it, and manage it, uh, yeah. which is essentially what you've just, just highlighted. So, so in the context of being able to see it and diagnose it, but particularly see it, um, l let's talk a little bit about contact tracing. What, yeah. what is contact tracing? Why is it important? And 
how will we how will we get there? Yeah, I mean, contact tracing is a, a really important public health core function. It's been used in a lot of different outbreaks over the past decades, and so. Um, you know, the virus mainly spreads person to person. So once you know someone is infected, uh, you want to find those with whom they've had contact recently because those are the ones that are at highest risk of potentially of having been infected themselves. And so if you can find the, that small group of people, you can stamp out the, the chains of transmission more effectively. And so um, uh, doing this is... is you know, a way of doing a more targeted public health intervention than what we're doing right now, which is population-wide, everyone stay at home. Um, and so, you know, the, the whole process is, is pretty standard. And, you know, you, once you find an infected individual, you talk to that person, you figure, you try to get them into isolation uh, so that they're no longer infectious or they're no longer transmitting. And then you figure out who they've spent time with in the, in the infectious period. Um, and, and then, um, you know, you try to help those people get tested and understand whether or not they're infected or track their symptoms and then rinse and repeat until you are able to stamp out the infection going forward. That, generally speaking, that's a kind of a long-winded way of describing what contact tracing is. Yeah, so, so you know, in, a, in an article that was published in The Atlantic this week uh, written by Derek Thompson, uh, he sort of posits a way out of this mess by um, titling his piece, you know, The Technology That Could Free America From Quarantine. And he described a test and trace model that is, in his words, akin to something like a national sophisticated whack-a-mole game, you know, <laughs> where you, you actually, you know, find the contacts, as you have just highlighted, of those who are sick or those who are in contact with those who are sick and begin to um, address those folks specifically while maintaining, you know, um, free passage for those who, who are not are not sick. So, how how might we do this? And 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 where 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 do we see technology coming in to play to begin to allow us to to develop a a, a national uh, effort at contact tracing? Yeah, no, it's it's a great question. You know, because I mean. I, I sometimes refer to this glibly as uh, it's been done traditionally in a, in a manual way, or rather a person with a clipboard and a can-do attitude runs out and tries to figure out what are all the, the links to a particular index case. And um, it's a little bit more sophisticated than that, but not by much, unfortunately. And um, so I mean, to, to talk about the, the technologies, um, it, it is useful to first talk about what is the general workflow or needs. Um, and it's helpful to, to kind of bin some of the technologies based on that. Um, you know, the, the, the kind of general needs in doing um, contact tracing are, again, as I said before, is like identify the infected person, list out all their contacts that could be epidemiologically meaningful. Then you go and make contact with those people help them get testing or treatment, depending on their, their status, monitor their symptoms of those people on that list until they get their test result back, and then provide analytics and visualizations to, to keep that team moving forward and going, going strong. And so if, if we're gonna identify infected people, the gold standard is molecular-based diagnostic tests. And we've talked about this before, Kevin, and, and you have talked about this before in past podcasts, is that we, we just need more testing capacity. 
yeah. you know, without testing capacity, this, this isn't going to work as well. Um, right. We, we definitely know that. You know, for, for the function of listing contacts, there's actually been a lot of discussion uh, from people working on mobile devices to either log locations or log proximity to other mobile devices so that you can automate this process of listing people with whom an infected person has had contact with. And several countries have used this approach, Singapore, South Korea, mm -hmm. Israel. I, there's, so there's a lot of excitement about trying to figure out how to apply something similar to that in the United States. Um, I mean, I know, I know when I go to, when I go to the big music festivals, you know, where if I'm, if I'm not working, then I'm just hanging out and listening. Um, you know, I get to go on my social media and I can tell where all my, all yeah. my friends are around the whole, you know, place, um, you know, just by, by virtue of digital connectivity that, that, you know, we, we take for granted. So, so how would you envision those kinds of capabilities actually being employed to allow us this um, concept of being able to, to know who, who might be, you know, ill or have it have been exposed and who would be uh, free to, to go about and begin to, to resume their, their daily activities? Yeah, I mean, your, your example is a great one because it's like when you're at, you know, you're at a concert and you can see all your friends that are there too and where they're at and try to, you know, make connections with them through the devices – it's it's logging all of that, and so you know, relatively speaking, where those people are, generally speaking, in your um, uh, location-wise, and so you could list those or log those as a contact, um, and follow up with them to see if they're okay, um, and then put them into the process. Because, like I said, traditionally the way this is done is you find somebody that's sick, somebody that goes and interviews them, and then lists all their contacts, and then goes on to phone them and then see how they are and go from there. If you can do this digitally, like you did with while you were at the, the concert, hopefully you can shorten the time frame in which it takes to do the contact tracing. Yeah. So that, that's the idea. That's the, that's the fundamental idea. And like I said, in Singapore, South Korea, even in Israel, they've been, they've been deploying some of these things um, uh, to do that. Yeah. Now how about, um, you know, given the, the effort that BNEXT has placed, towards identifying digital health technologies and some of the some of the work that we did actually even um, preceding the the outbreak uh, convening the digital health roundtable that we did in early December and helping to to co-host uh, work with CDC and and the office of the assistant secretary for preparedness and response uh, around digital health tools for symptom checking and initial triage do you think there's a dual purpose capability that could be tapped into or added into uh, those uh, those tools, or do you envision a, really a separate app to meet the contact tracing requirements? Well, I think depending on how you develop these workflows, I do think that telehealth and digital health can play a significant role here. I mean, the, the work that you did in leading us and thinking that through what those capabilities could do in a situation like we're finding else, ourselves right now is, I think, was critical in, in understanding that. I mean, the, the capabilities to do self-triage is exactly what you would need, is once you find the list of people that have contact with somebody that's infected, if they can go to either um, – uh, if they can have it in the app itself or they can be directed to a service like the ones that you're, you're mentioning in terms of telehealth and telemedicine, and they can get um, 
go through a self-triage protocol there, then they'll know and have a good sense of how to, whether or not they need medical help or not. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a, another way of, you, you can do it with symptom tracking, or you could have people go through self-triage um, techniques like you, what you're talking about. And so I think that is a really great example of, of other technologies that could be used in helping with contact tracing. Yeah. So, so, you know, I, I mean, that's, that's my bias as well. I think, uh, I, I think that there are probably, uh, you know, dual purposes, uh, to these sorts of digital, digital tools, particularly if it's going to be smartphone based and, uh, you know, you're going to carry it with you wherever you go. So it raises one last question, uh, that I think is pertinent uh, to this uh, to this podcast discussion, which is whether it be um, digital health uh, tools that you are carrying with you, uh, or contact tracing where you are trying to figure out who amongst you uh, you know may still need to be under isolation or, or quarantine. Um, how do we manage the privacy and confidentiality issues, and how do we balance or strike a balance really between privacy and the public's health. Any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think it's critical that we figure that out. I, I, I'm encouraged that we are smart enough to figure that out, but I also do appreciate that it's a bit of a sticky wicket. And um, we do need to spend time thinking about how to apply that effectively in the United States context and preserve privacy going forward. Fortunately, you know, our colleague, um, uh, you know, Lou Borio is uh, taking up the mantle and is trying to, uh, we're going to, um, lead some efforts in thinking that through over the, ne over the next days to a week or so. And so I'm hoping that in a future podcast, we can talk more deeply about this particular topic because I think it's going to be so critical as you've pointed out. Yeah. yeah and as we've learned from other colleagues of ours uh, across uh, the many domains uh, that IQT uh, works, you know, works within uh, notions around differential privacy and other strategies that allow for, the protection of information while still conveying uh, critical information to, to those who need to see it uh, are technologically uh, capable now. And, um, and so there's more, I think a lot more to discuss, uh, to explore and to uh, discover uh, in those, in those arenas. So, so we've talked about a range of technologies that will be helpful for identifying infected individuals, uh, listing their contacts, tracking symptoms, connecting them to medical help if needed, uh, obviously, as uh, BNX continues to explore all these issues, uh, we will continue in this fight and we will continue to report out to you on what we're thinking about and what we're learning. Uh, today's podcast was really focused uh, at a very high level on the importance of contact tracing. It's all about testing, testing, and tracing. Think about that whack-a-mole uh, notion. Yeah. And um, what we do in, the, in this arena will really allow us to loosen the rather, you know, draconian measures which are keeping us at home right now and keeping us uh, out of the mix and out of, uh, you know, out of, out of the opportunity to, to, to interact in the way that we, you know, as social beings we want to. And uh, obviously uh, from an economic perspective, um, important to get the economy back. Uh, on its feet. So we need an army working on this, but we also need technologies to make us more efficient. And uh, with that, I guess we'll sign off. So Dylan, thanks for the opportunity to chat with you, ask you those questions today. And, uh, uh, thanks, Dan. Always, always a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah.
So be safe, everybody. Be healthy and be responsible because the life you risk may not be your own. Thank <laughs> you.